Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. final part of our series, our, the Synergy series, and our goal has been throughout this series, it's really been across the summer, I won't call it a break, because this church has run two services right through the summer, which is absolutely amazing, and there are new people in the church as a result of discovering us and, and connecting, and, uh, but this is the final part of the Synergy series, which is all about relationships, it's about relationships uh, between each other. A strong church is all about healthy, trusted friendship that puts God right in the centre, but also is, is open and informative and working together in synergy. And so the title for this morning is Forgiveness Unlocks Destiny. Uh, and I absolutely believe that. I think people's potential enjoyment of life is so damaged by, by unforgiveness and the loss of understanding what forgiveness is all about. And it's not a sacred thing for just Christians. It affects the whole world. It's a God universal principle that forgiveness um, will heal people. And people don't get healed um, because they don't really respond to, to the real heart of what forgiveness is. So this morning we're going to look at the life of Joseph. We've been examining his life through the book of Genesis. And we're going to dive into Genesis, uh, middle, middle of Genesis in just a moment. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's interesting, isn't it? My, um, I was thinking, who do I need to forgive? And uh, I actually was reflecting on my, uh, my year seven science teacher this morning. It was a, a tough moment. I remember when he falsely accused me of chattering and disturbing the class. I, how he could see through the back of his head, I don't know. But I, I was the beneficiary of a metre-long wooden ruler across the back of my head. It did make me laugh, actually, because the thing snapped and did no damage. So great stuff. It did my self-esteem and ego at school a world of good. A victim. Anyway, so I forgive you. Uh, so, but, <laughs> but um, it's interesting um, that this topic of forgiveness. Uh, so we look at the life of Joseph, but why synergy? Because synergy is really important in the kingdom of God in churches. Synergy is all about the creation of a whole that's greater than the sum of its parts. And that's the whole nature of the way authentic kingdom church should work. It's not religious. It's not about religious services. It's about an integrated living body of people that are being equipped and empowered uh, through the life of the church, through the leaders and through friendship and through fellowship, but also directly by God. And he positions people in churches and brings... There'll be people in this meeting today and your future is going to be attached to this church. You may not feel like it right now, but I suspect that's the case because it's not down to me or... Us, it's down to God. It's down to God. And so we have to understand you. You need to understand. That's why the new here process that we've got here is so important, so that we can start to really understand. And the gift discovery and purpose, very important. We've got to do our best to understand who we all are. And, uh, you know, we can see this is true from 1 Corinthians 12, where we read in verse 13, uh, where the scripture says, we've all been baptized into one body uh, by one spirit, and we... Uh, all share the same spirit. Then verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Uh, So Christ views us as his living body. And that whole chapter talks about us being hands and feet or gives the analogy of hands and feet and 
and you know, the various parts of our anatomy, and, and some are less favoured or less visible, and, and how they, they're all important. And so our, our purpose and mission in our church is to be impacting our community, but impacting each other. Uh, it's really drawing the best out of you for the purpose of God's kingdom. Not for us, it's for his kingdom. And you are here because you are part of that journey with us. Uh, so we're, we're thrilled about it. But also it talked about one baptism. Now, when we talk about baptism, we have two people getting baptised this morning. I'm so excited about it. And as Adam has said, that's every month this year people are being baptised. And we thank God for that. We take nothing for granted. Let me tell you, one uh, who is lost and who is found... There's a great celebration in heaven, and we have just had the honour and privilege of seeing so many people give their lives to Christ in this year and in previous years. Uh, and again, this morning, a guy aged 34 has never professed salvation or prayed any sort of prayer in his life. And after the first service, we just stood there, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ authentically as a brand new follower of Jesus Christ. As a leader, that absolutely ignites my sense of purpose, and it should do for you. If it doesn't bother you, I'd ask what's going on in your heart, because because we are here to make disciples, disciples reproducing disciples. We should never be comfortable and never be complacent in theological stuff or in practice and patterns. We should be looking to find that next one that God is leading us to. Each one of us, it's the responsibility of all of us. Now, exciting thing about baptism uh, though, as you know, we have a number of services here each weekend and during the week we have activities. But in Macedonia, we have a team going out again in two weeks' time. And there's quite a few. There's going to be 18 at least because there's 18 already signed up. We're, another church wants to partner with us from, over from Essex and they're coming with us as well during that week. Um, but we just thank God that the first ever Muslim background Albanian in the town of Tetovo has just given his life to Jesus Christ and got baptised last Saturday. Do you realise that you may not make any... For those who've been, you'll know the cost to get to that point. We've been working in that community for five years, and they've been working even longer locally. And this guy in the middle, on the top left-hand corner, was baptised by Jordan last week, last Saturday. And, and, and his salvation response was directly linked to our team going to Tetovo last year. In fact, it was one of the guys in the HCF church who encouraged him to come back and directly challenged him about his relationship with God. Isn't that incredible? It's absolutely incredible. So, you know, I'm, I'm so excited about that. We'll discuss more next week, but uh, brilliant. So just a few points. I'm going to whistle through this so that we can move forward. Um, in the topic of forgiveness, um, the first key point is forgiveness um, fixes stuff. Let's take all the religiousness out of the words. Religious uh, forgiveness fixes things. It fixes stuff. The whole point of forgiveness is to fix. You know, it's not meant to be some heavy word. It's about fixing broken relationships. That's what it does. Forgiveness is about fixing. And I'm telling you now, look at where there's a broken relationship in your life. Look at it. If you look at it, maybe husband and wife, uh, maybe brother, sister, 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 brother, brother, aunt, uncle, friend at work, someone you grew up with, look at it. The one thing that will fix that relationship, forgiveness. It's actually the most powerful, Holy Spirit-empowered glue in relationship you'll ever find. And actually, you know that when a relationship has a problem, and all relationships do, when forgiveness operates authentically, that relationship normally gets so much stronger. Because it doesn't only fix, it cements. And where there is damage in relationship, I guarantee you, 
There's a damaged issue around forgiveness. I guarantee it. That's why the biblical principles of forgiveness are so important. So just have a quick look at this. So Jacob set out for Egypt. Now Joseph, Jacob's son, is now the prime minister of Egypt. He's the number two, the pharaoh. And because of the famine, his, uh, his father and his brothers are about to be fully reconciled with Joseph. You've been tracking it through the series. And now um, Jacob is about to move his whole family, this is the father, into, into Egypt. And he stops and God speaks to him. So it says here in the text, it says, So Jacob set out for Egypt with all his possessions. And when he came to Beersheba, that's a place that exists today in the Negev desert area of Israel. It's very highly populated. It says that he offered sacrifices to God. Uh, of his father to the God of his father and in verse 2 during the night God spoke to him in a vision Jacob Jacob he called here I am Jacob replied I'm God the God of your father the um the voice said do not be afraid to go down to Egypt for there I'll make your family into a great nation Joseph had already started the process of personal forgiveness of his family his family now are discovering the impact of that process. And one of the most strategic things, key things, spiritual things that happened is that the father gets approached by God. It says God called him and in the calling reaffirmed God's promise. When, when forgiveness happens authentically, God's promise and his future can be unpacked. It unlocks our destiny. And that's what happened here. The promise, now, Jacob, an old man now, is about to move everything into Egypt because of the famine. And God is reaffirming the promise. And it's all been possible because Joseph was willing to forgive. It's so critical. Forgiveness will unlock, unlock the future of your relationships. It'll unlock the potential for God to speak into somebody else's life. You may want to speak into their life, but God will do it. But forgiveness is sometimes the key stepping stone to make that happen. It's absolutely immensely important. We've got to do it. So um, forgiveness revives the promise. Um, It enables restoration. I'm just going to zip through these points. It enables restoration. I showed in the first service Dolph Lundgren, the actor who played in Rocky IV, Universal Soldier, The the Expendables, The Exponentials, (laughs) Uh, and many other films, actually. But he, on a... um, uh, Ted Talk last October just talked openly about the unforgiveness in his life over the, his relationship with his dad. Between the ages of 3 and 11, his dad would beat him on a relatively regular basis. It was tension in his father's life. And uh, it's extraordinary that a star could have that bottled up inside their life. And actually, he discovered that forgiveness was the way to unlock the pain and the trouble is uh, he actually had a relationship with Grace Jones just I won't go into the whole story but but then later married but he had all sorts of things going off in his life because when there's unforgiveness or damage done you end up going down all sorts of different routes whether it's alcohol whether it's multiple relationships whether it's you know you become an abuser whatever it, it is and one of the things he said was you know fight or flight is the normal response to abuse but uh, in his case, because he was so young, he froze. And so he just froze in that experience. And you wouldn't think it. This is a tough guy, you know, trained boxer and all that other stuff. Um, tough guy. But inside, that toughness, the heart of that man was damaged by something that wasn't probably his fault. In fact, it wasn't his fault at that age. Anyway, so he discovered that he had to forgive. And um, he reconciled with his parents. And he was married with two kids. And they'd left him. 
and he was reconciled with them, asked them for forgiveness, and, and so his life's moved on. And as a result of his own healing, he was able to start giving out on a much bigger fo- football and pla- uh, fo- footprint and platform, and now he's supporting this anti-slave trade stuff, and he's just doing an amazing things. So he's not a believer to my knowledge. We should pray for him. But, but amazing, isn't it, that a tough exterior can hide a broken interior. Isn't it extraordinary? So Genesis 46, 29 says... Um, Joseph prepared his chariot and travelled to Goshen to meet his father. So his father's now come into the land of Egypt. He's in this area called Goshen. Um, Jake, uh, when Joseph arrived, he embraced his father and wept, holding him for a long time. That's the power. His, his grief wasn't with his father, or his problem wasn't with his father. His problem was with the brothers. But the problem, the problem with that is the brothers were a barrier to the father. And so you fix the problem and you get the full relationship potential. And there are stuff damaged in our worlds because somebody has got a broken relationship. It's the ones beyond that where there's healing required as well. And, and until we're willing to face these things and move into it, then we miss these opportunities. So let's move forward. So the second key point, forgiveness fuels favour. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, now that your father and brothers have joined you here, I choose, uh, choose any place in the entire land of Egypt for them to live. Give them the best land of Egypt. Let them live in the region of Goshen. And if any of them has, has special skills, let them be in charge of my livestock. You see, when forgiveness operates, it's a supernatural spiritual principle. And it's a universal God principle about forgiveness. God is the author of the subject of forgiveness anyway. This is the first time in the, in the scriptures that forgiveness is properly addressed, actually, is in the life of Joseph. And, uh, and as a result of this principle being operated... Um, Pharaoh is willing to not only give them land, but the best land. And he's also willing to have them work in his household. So there's special favour. Here's an interesting thing. I didn't say this in the first service. You know, this week we have the prayer meeting on Wednesday. What you may not know is that there's a consultation happening on this site on Wednesday evening and Thursday about the building next door. And they have approached us to host the consultation. They want to consult with community about the best use of the building next door. Let your mind boggle on that one for a few minutes. So, so the prayer meeting will have to take place in another part of the site if we can get everybody in. But be praying this week. A conversation could happen this week that could change the future directional course of where we meet as a church. Um, we'll have to explore that in another way at another time. But you know the journey we're on. We are running out of space. So God will bring blessing when forgiveness and healing takes place. Um, so let me just so verse 27 you see so we jumped from chapter 46 into 47 we're just picking a couple of verses out verse 27 says the people of Israel settled in the region of Goshen in Egypt they acquired property and they were fruitful and their population grew rapidly this is two years into the seven years of famine now so it says in the text earlier it says that the people in Canaan and Egypt they ran out of money to buy food. They gave all their money to buy food from Pharaoh because he was the only source of food. When they, ran out of, uh, when they ran out of money, they gave all their livestock to Pharaoh. When they ran out of livestock, they gave their land to Pharaoh. And when they ran out of land, they gave themselves to Pharaoh. They sold themselves. This is the whole entire population in, the, in the, that part of the world around Egypt and Canaan. Why? Because they had to survive. But in that disastrous famine... There's this incredible statement. The people of Israel settled and they acquired property and they were fruitful. Let me tell you this. Despite a a barren world, 
you can be fruitful when things like forgiveness and God's principles are operating in your life. Incredible fruitfulness. Can, maybe your life feels barren right now. Maybe there's a sense of loss right now. Um, and, and forgiveness is about asking for forgiveness and offering forgiveness. I, I had to do that before this service because someone came up to me and I won't go into any details, but I inadvertently used an expression which caused offence to somebody and I had no idea I was doing it. And they didn't know we were talking on this subject. And I said, look, do you forgive me for, for saying what I said? And they said, of course. Well, that discharges and builds relationship. And I didn't know I'd made the mistake, but it was something that was significant to somebody else. And that's how we've got to be, be quick to, to respond in the right way. So um, we'll just jump straight through to the next key point. So the first two, forgiveness fixes stuff. The second one, fuels favour. And thirdly, unlocks destiny. Forgiveness does not excuse behaviour. Forgiveness prevents behaviour from destroying your heart. I'm sure you know that, but the reason we forgive is, is, is a self-motivated purpose because you want, the, well, you want to be healed and protected, but you also want the other person to be healed. And the number of times I've been amazed at how... It's not just an apology, by the way. If you just say, I'm sorry I did something, that isn't actually necessarily forgiveness. That's you dumping your issue on someone I'm sorry I did that and actually I learned this lesson in Macedonia that sometimes because the the Balkans have had so much turbulence over the years they have had to learn that forgiveness is not just I'm sorry because sorry someone's cheap I mean to say I'm sorry means nothing you go say I'm sorry about that and just go do the same thing again sorry about that oh sorry about that you know but forgiveness is well I truly don't want to do that again and are you discharging that that responsibility to, to ask for forgiveness. Amazingly powerful. So, third point then. Forgiveness unlocks destiny. It's in chapter 50, the final part. Joseph's brothers became uh, fearful. Why? Because their father had just died. And they thought, as soon as Joseph's father dies, Jacob, then Joseph will have his retribution on them. So they've been living in fear, actually, for 17 years in the land of Egypt. They've been carrying fear that Joseph was going to actually, when the time's right, get his own back on them. But Joseph exercised his forgiveness with them. And so it says, Joseph's brothers became fearful, and they thought, now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong he did, we did to him. Verse 16, so they sent them this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin, is treating, uh, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. See, forgiveness acknowledges what's been done. It doesn't just breeze it away. It acknowledges the error. So we, the servants of the God of your Father, beg you to forgive our sins. This is the first time in the Bible that the word forgiveness is properly exposed for what that word really means. It happens one other time early on in Genesis. But it's more of a passing Hebrew word. But in this text, it start, this is the first time in the Bible, the scriptures, that the word forgiveness is revealed for what it is. And it's this unlocking, this recognition of a, of a failure and dealing with the consequences. So we, the servants of the God of our, your father, beg you to forgive our sins. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. I'm going to do something we did in the first service, but I've not done, I, I can't recall doing it in a preach before, but we're going to invite someone to come to the platform in a moment. I want to cast your minds back to Rwanda. Um, Adam's mentioned that Compassion are coming next week. We've made a decision 
that we will work with compassion in Rwanda. Uh, but for those of you who don't remember, back in the 90s, there was a genocide that took place in Rwanda. And um, well over 800,000 people were murdered um, by one part of the, uh, the population. So it was a, I mean, the, if you go online, the pictures are horrific because it, it was mostly machete-based uh, and obviously guns and other weapons. But um, somebody in our church lived through that. So I'd like to invite Mar- uh, Miriam, Miriam to come up and to talk to me for a second. And to, so let's just welcome her as she comes up. Adam. This is on, yeah. So, there you go. Well, thank you, Mariam, for coming up. Um, so, Mariam, a little bit like we did in the first service, ju- just tell us how old you were and, and the situation for you in Rwanda as a child at about this time. Okay. Just um, have a look at the room so they can see you. She's a very pretty young lady. <laughs> um, the genocide started when I was about 12, and um, I was in Kigali with my family, and it just kind of, it felt really sudden, just wasn't expecting that what happened. So, um, we sort of, we had to split up, so the, our, my family has to split up, and uh, my brothers went in one side of the family, and then I stayed with another, and it was kind of um, just all over the place. But we, had, we wanted to stay safe, so um, I stayed in a house with um, my uncle and a um, few of my cousins. Um, and nothing really much happened um, apart from, you know, we, we can hear everything happening outside from the outside. But I feel like I do believe that God protected me from seeing what was happening outside because we locked the doors and we just kind of stayed in the house and didn't really came out when everything was finished um, and it was just seeing we can hear the screams so we knew exactly what was happening and we can hear in the radio um, that people are being killed everywhere so it was it was horrendous the whole um, thing was kick-started because well around the president who was assassinated a Hutu president and, and on the back of that just the best part of a million Tutsis yeah. were then just brutally, just wholesale slaughter. Yeah. Um, so the intention was to finish all the Tutsi tribe and just kill every single one of them. Um, so they they had they had been training happening. I wasn't really aware of it as a child. You don't really follow these politics things. Um, well, I didn't. Um, but um, it. They've been training. They've been training to kill. Um, we can hear some of some people, you know, before. Although I didn't know what it was all about. It was all about. But you had uh, groups of men running, um, you know, just shouting things. What they're gonna do? Um, but we didn't really know to, the, to what extent that would come to. Um, so they were being trained um, secretly to kill people, and they've been told to hate this tribe, um, and my family was, you know, part of that tribe, so they, they were killed. How did it impact you and your family? Um, I think, it, 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 you know, it, it destroyed my family, but um, 
I, I feel like it made me stronger as well. Um, I can put a cup with anything. <laughs> so um, I learned to, to forgive them. I think when I, when I finally came to the understanding what forgiveness would do for me, then I realized I had to forgive them. So I started um, praying that I would forgive them. Your, um, your mother was killed? Yeah, my mum was killed. Uh, my two siblings were killed. My mum's entire family was killed. Um, a lot of um, our relatives as well and lots of friends were killed, neighbours um, all killed. A lot of people were killed in just few de- in just few days. They say it's 100 days, but I'm not sure if... So roughly that sort of yeah. time. It's over about yeah. three months. I just can't get my head around what it must have been like to experience that. And the... Pre- oh, I don't know. I, it's just amazing. You've been baptised in this church. Yes. And despite this pain, you still look to God as a source of answers. Yes. Um, I went through the phase of um, hating God. Um, I kind of didn't think he was really there or he cared for us. But um, when I didn't have anyone else, I can't. I just thought I need God. So I turned back to God. And uh, that's when I start praying to God. To um, uh, My first prayer after the war was to get out of the country. I didn't want to be there. Um, it was in ruins. And it, was, it was just a complete wreck. And it was dark and it felt... Um, awful and empty and it seems that there was no life there was no bird, there was nothing there was, there was just no sound mm. and I wanted to get out of that country so that was my prayer that was to get out it, it, amazed, it amazes me how you've been able to work the process of forgiveness so, so what, what did you do, did you, how did that happen I, I know it's internal but how, yeah. what did you do uh, it was difficult at first I, um, I went through the process of hating these people Although I didn't even know them, um, I, I went. Through, I hated them. I wished them bad things could happen to them. I kind of just wished um, their pet, their their children could be orphans as well. I just I went through loads of emotions, um, but I concluded that I, I couldn't really keep on hating them because it wasn't doing me any good. It wasn't it wasn't building me. It wasn't giving me any. Um, peace. Uh, I kept repeating it on my, in my head what happened, why. My question was why, why, why. But I knew I couldn't get any answers. So I knew that um, I have to forgive them. But I didn't really understand how I would do it um, until I became a Christian. And I realized that forgiveness was, um, it was, it was really my, for my benefit as well. I had to, I had to release them and leave them to God, for, for God to deal with them. Mm. And there was no, I wouldn't je- be able to get justice. There was not, nothing that can be done. So even me being angry with them would not bring anything, would not make any difference. It wouldn't mm. bring anything, you know, back to me. So when I realized that, I, I, I decided to forgive them. I repeated it to myself. I forgive them, I forgive them, until it was in my soul that, you know, I completely forgive them. I released them to God, and um, I was really happy when my brother um, told me that he came face to face with this man, who is a man who um, killed my mother, and he he went to court, and this man 
was standing there being accused um, of killing her. And uh, he was still denying it, but although there was a witness who saw him. And my, I asked my brother just to see what he did. And I said to him, what did you do? He said, nothing. And I asked him, what did you say? And he said, nothing. And I, said, I asked him, what did, how did you feel? He said, nothing. He just, and that's what I was expecting. I was hoping he would say he wouldn't. Um, there was no, there's nothing he can do or say. And there's really no feelings either because there's nothing that can bring them back. Nothing can change what he's done. And even hating him would not make any difference. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, it's incredible how you had to work that process of forgiveness by really telling yourself that I'm going to forgive yeah. to release that tie with that situation. Yeah. It's it was just understanding that um, they will have this hold on me although they are, somebody destroys your family and then they have to destroy you by taking away your peace and your joy with constant hatred and anger it just kind of destroys your life as well so mm. that's well it's a difficult conversation to have it's been a number of years but I just want to say thank you Marion for sharing a little bit of what has been something that sounds unbearable to me but I think we should just show appreciation for sharing thank you thank you And uh, this, despite losing so many family, I spoke to Mary a few years ago. We had a difficult time in the church in the past. And I said, what kept you here? And she, Mary just stood, sat there, actually. She was in my office. And she just sat there and she said, well, I know my father. And she wasn't talking about an earthly father. She was talking about a heavenly father. So it means that she can make decisions out of relationship with him because there's nothing blocking it. When stuff blocks it, when unforgiveness blocks then you don't know whether you're coming or going. And in her case, just incredible. Um, I'd like um, the band to just join me. I want to just bring in another side of this unlocking destiny, and then we will move straight to the, straight to the baptisms. We, we will run a full service this morning because of having that opportunity to have Marion with us. You can see why we've got a sense of connection with Compassion and Rwanda, because these, there's still a generation that's been damaged by all of this, and there's some, it's a high poverty uh, location because of its, its pain of the past. So we'll, know, we'll find out more about it next week. But, uh, so in this topic then, uh, the, God has got a plan for forgiveness, and it starts right with what he has done for us. And it says that all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have all left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, that's Jesus, the sins of us all. The Bible calls anything that takes us away from knowing God as sin. Anything. Anything. Don't get your list out and say, oh, I did this and that. Because you've, you're all experts, by the way. You know that. Everybody in this room is an expert sinner. You are. You're, you're, you've perfected it. You know how to keep it secret. You know how to do things. You know, and you know how to carry the burden of that as well. And everybody in life knows what it is to do wrong things. But God says that the stuff that separates us from him is sin. And sin has got a power. And it requires God's intervention to unlock people from the power of sin. Okay? It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You see, sin has a power that you cannot control. You think you can, but you can't. There's a power in sin that will consume 
anything it touches. It will start by tempting, it will start by enticing, it will start by giving you all sorts of good reasons, and it will start as a thought. It will get into your world, and it will draw you through blame, through all sorts of things, through, through rights. It will find all sorts of excuses to lie to you that you deserve to be able to do what you like. But sin has a power that is destined to destroy people and leads to death. It's equated in the scriptures directly with the opposite power, which is the power of God and his life-giving spirit. It's a huge thing. Don't mess around with sin. Don't dabble with it. There are people in this room who sin and are sinning right now. In fact, all of us will sin, even me. (laughs) As we go forward, we will mess up. But you've got to keep those sinful things to a short account because otherwise that power will take control of your life. But God wants to give us his power. He wants his spirit to be the power in our life. And it's a very real power. And the people who are getting baptized this morning have encountered God's spirit. Those of us who have given our lives to Jesus Christ and said, I want you to become my Lord and Savior have understood what that means. It says in Colossians 2, 13 and 14, you were dead because of your sins. That's the whole world, by the way. That's not because you were particularly bad. It's just, that's the world. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature, that's the world's nature, was not yet cut away. See, God does surgery on people. He takes away the stuff that's going to damage you. If you're a medical person, you know that stuff has got to be removed. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all your, or our sins. He forgave our sins. Our ability to forgive comes directly from God. Our ability, that principle of forgiveness comes from him. He's demonstrated the ultimate forgiveness that we can't pay the price for forgiveness. We can't. We, he just says, come and believe. It says in verse 34, he cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Do you realise that's, in, in the old Roman days, a criminal had the charges written on a piece of paper. They nailed it to the door of the cell and whatever the charges were, and once the, they'd, they'd done the time or paid the punishment for each, they, they said, they wrote on it, quotes, paid in full, uh, paid in full, so that person doesn't have to go back and do the punishment for that crime. But it says in the scriptures, it's paralleled with that, he cancelled the record of the charges against us. Each one of us has got a charge sheet. We've all got one. And you cannot do the time for all the things that are on your charge sheet. But what the scripture says, that he took it away from us and went to the cross and nailed it on the cross. And because of what Jesus did, his personal sacrifice for your sin, which is not necessarily your fault, by the way, it says paid in full. And there's nothing you can do to change that. He has paid it in full, apart from bringing it to him at the cross. So we come to the cross and we surrender our lives to him and say, Jesus, we want you to be Lord and Saviour, because only you can pay the price for all that list. That's what it is. I don't know if you've ever looked at it like that, but that's exactly what God does. And when he, he looks at your charge sheet, when you stand before God in the end of time, he says, well, were these things paid for? And you go, yeah, Jesus. He goes, come on in. That's it. But it starts by you saying, I want to trust that Jesus will be my Lord. He's God and I put my faith in him and I'll try and follow him. That's where it starts. <laughs>